like that. You want to try Hello, everybody, that. and it's welcome like to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I know it's been a long time since we have recorded an episode on a Monday or had an episode ready for you on a Monday, but yet here we are. Here we are. It is uh, November 27th in this beautiful year of our Lord and Savior, 2023, and I am in a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic mood today. Yes, sir, we are in a good mood, and I am ready to talk a lot about sports today. Ah, don't mind that. We're just in a really good mood. So before we get into all of our good things we are going to talk about today, let's make sure to go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is BlackmanLogan. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And of course, the main thing and most important thing you can do when you're listening to the show is make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts and leave a rating out of five stars on both. doesn't necessarily need to be a five-star rating, but I, of course, would appreciate a five-star rating more than any other rating imaginable. And you know what? After the day I've had today... I feel like I deserve it, okay? I feel like this. if, uh, if any day, if any day we were going to have a five-star show, if we were going to have a five-star show, if we were going to have a five-star rating, if you felt bad enough for me and felt that much sympathy for me for a five-star review, today would be today. This is the first time I have done this this season, it feels like. Well, not not necessarily, not necessarily, but it feels like it because it's been, again, it's been a long time since we recorded a show for a Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, but right now it is 8.41, 8.41, about an hour and a half ago, the Buffalo Bills lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, I don't even remember what the score was, hold on, I, I've already tried to put it on my memory banks, 37 to 34 was the final in overtime in Philly, you know, wet windy, not not like freezing cold, but cold, uncomfortable day in the city of brotherly love where Bradley Cooper was in attendance, as we saw on the broadcast a few times throughout the game. No Taylor Swift. No, 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 no. We got Bradley Cooper instead. I was waiting for some Mike Trout action as well, but we did not get that. Maybe some Will Smith action, but I don't think at this point in time in Will Smith's career, they're going to be showing off. Hey, that's where Will Smith is. That's Will Smith. Remember that guy? That guy is pretty cool. I don't think we're in that situation right now. I think we're in a completely different state of mind right now in regards to what we view Will Smith as. But that is not important. I am just beating around the bush at this point. The Bills lost again. Again. I am in <laughs> the, the this mindset that I'm in, I'm not a fan of. I, I really do not like this mindset that I have put myself into where I am week to week. It is the mindset of my dad. And I do not want to be there because it is a sad existence to lead because last week, let me tell you, and you heard it on the show, when they beat the New York Jets by whatever the hell they scored they did last week, I'm sorry, I'm trying to forget all these games that happened so far this year, whatever score they piss-pounded the Jets to, the, the game that forced them to put Zach Wilson, not as a backup, but as a third string to a guy that has a negative touchdown-interception ratio, not just in college, not just in the NFL, his entire football career. And to go third string for that guy when he was the second, the second overall pick two years ago, that was how bad the Bills beat the piss out of the New York Jets last week. So going after that game, 
I went to Uptown. When there's a little bar downtown. That was on Wednesday. So the game happened on Monday or Sunday afternoon, sorry. And then we recorded the show on Tuesday. Was a very good mood. Was in a very good mood. And I went to Uptown Wednesday, hung out with some friends down there, and it's just the first time I'd seen them since the Bills game happened. I was like, man, if they play like that, they can beat anybody. Like I know it's just the Jets. I understand it's just the Jets, but hey, after watching what they did to the Jets, like you, you have to beat down teams like that. You have to absolutely piss pound teams like that, and they did. It was the first game with Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator. Like it was a game that you could be somewhat experimental, and because the Jets, like they did against the Chargers the previous week, just invite pressure nonstop, and nothing is really going for them on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense is fine, especially along the defensive line. Secondary has been a little shaky recently, but this is a game again that you need to absolutely destroy the team, and they did. They did. They settled for field goals because it was, again, a game that they could afford to settle for field goals. You don't normally want to settle for field goals, but in that game, they could. In that game, they could. And then going into the Jets game, we win, do all that stuff. Then we have the Eagles-Chiefs game on Monday Night Football, the Kelsey Bowl, the New Heights Bowl, whatever you want to call it, the same night as the United States versus Trinidad and Tobago, which, of course, we watched the United States versus Trinidad and Tobago. We did not watch the freaking Chiefs and Eagles. God forbid we'd actually spend time watching that snooze fest of a game. I did watch it. I watched the second half of the game, but that's not important. Regardless, that game made me feel like the Eagles were beatable. Like we've said this kind of the entire year. Yeah, they have one loss, one loss to the Jets, which is insane to think about the more the season goes on, especially when you look at how bad the Jets are at this point in time. Like, and I, I, side note, I saw Aaron Rodgers targeting a return in two weeks. Or in the set, like in a month from now, I guess. You can resume training and resume practice in a week. Bullshit. I, <laughs> I am calling complete and utter bullshit. If he goes out there, good on you, Aaron. Good on you. I, I don't know what I... Dude, you're 38 years old. You're 38 years old. Yeah, you might be fine enough to run around in your backyard and stuff like that. I don't know how you're going to be able to go in the NFL. I think that thing might just disintegrate right when you step on the football field. Right when you plant on your three-step drop. To try and hit Alan Lazard. Oh, wait, he's scratched, healthy scratched, because all your friends you brought to New Jersey with you and the reason you signed there all stink. Lazard, Nathaniel Hackett, Randall Cobb, where the hell's he been? Tim Boyle was brought to New Jersey because he was his backup in Green Bay. Like, th- there are no good players from those Packers teams or good people from those Packers teams with this New York Jets team. So it's a shocker when this offense doesn't work if Aaron Rodgers is not the one throwing the football. Nathaniel Hackett did nothing in Denver. He tried to get Aaron Rodgers there, didn't get Aaron Rodgers. Got Russell Wilson. Nathaniel Hackett did shit in Denver. Look at what happens when he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers in New Jersey. Can't do shit in New Jersey. It seems to be a common occurrence here. He can only do well with Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers, he's like Kyler Murray and freaking Cliff Kingsbury. The only reason Cliff Kingsbury had a job is because Kyler Murray saved him every single time. The only reason that freaking Nathaniel Hackett has a job, like he was the OC of the Bills. I know how ass this guy is. Like, the the reason he has a job in the first place is because of Aaron bleeping Rodgers. And now he's going to target a return for mid to late December? He's 38 years old coming off a torn Achilles week one. If he can do that, good on you, dude. I don't know how the hell that's even physically possible, but I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how all that stuff works. All I know is the human body is not supposed to recover that quickly. Unless he's some sort of demigod, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on there, but... I digress. This game sucked, going back to the Bills, because we're talking about the Eagles. Like, the Eagles going into this game, 
yeah, they had one loss. They had one loss of the season, but they haven't looked convincing. Like, even last year. Remember when we, we talked about the Eagles last year? About this point in the season last year. They were a really good team last year before they lost to the Commanders. Obviously, went on to go to the Super Bowl and all that stuff. But in that season, they were playing not necessarily the hardest schedule, but they were beating the shit out of everybody. This season, it doesn't really feel like they're doing that. You look at games against, like, the Patriots. 25-20, to 20, week one. The Vikings didn't really have the greatest game there. 34-28. to 28. Then you have the Commanders again, 34-31. The Rams, 23-14. The Jets, 20-14. Commanders, 38-31 again. Then you beat the Cowboys. You had the game against the Chiefs. Didn't look great there. And then you had this game against the Bills. And they win again. So they're 10-1 on the season. The first team to reach 10 wins on the season. I'm pretty sure giving all the betting certificates and all the betting outlets out there, Jalen Hurts has pretty much already got one hand on the MVP trophy. At least that's what it would feel like. If he already so if he took over the MVP voting last week for what he did against Kansas City Chiefs, then he's already, yeah, he's got one. He might as well have both hands on the MVP award at this point in time because he had five total touchdowns in this game, and they beat the Bills. In overtime, he scored the game-winning touchdown. So that's all that really matters, right? Like, if you were looking at that game and watched it and didn't look at the – you can look at the stat sheet all you want, I guess – Josh Allen outplayed Jalen Hurts in this game. The Bills should not have lost this game today. This is a game the Bills should have won. Should have won. And I'm not going to sit here and blame certain things that happened in this game, and I, I, I will. <laughs> not, I, I shouldn't say that. I won't blame. Blame's not the thing we're going to do here. But we're going to discuss it. We're going to discuss it, okay? So the Bills were up 17-7 at halftime, okay? 17-7 at half. They were down 7 nothing at the end of the first quarter and then took a 17 points into the second quarter and obviously, again, 17-point lead. Or 10-point lead. <laughs> I'm sorry, my brain's all over the place right now. It's kind of a similar story to what we had last week or after they lost the freaking Broncos. I'm in a similar headspace right now because th- this is a game they should win. I'm not saying, like, before the game started, I did not say that the Bills should beat the Eagles. I didn't say they should do that. But it was a game they could win. But after watching what they did today, how you know Josh Allen played today, this is a game they should have won. And fair play to the Eagles. Fair play. I don't want to take a lot. I don't want to take anything really away from them because they won the game. That's all that really matters in the end. But let's go over some things first. <laughs> let's go over some things that happened. Let's just start in the first half. Let's just start in the first half. We had a few missed field goals in the first half. One got blocked for Tyler Bass. Uh, James Cook dropped a walk-in touchdown on the first drive of the game. Hit him right in the fingertips. And a perfect throw from Josh Allen. Came out a wheel route from the backfield. Josh throbbed it over him. Walk-in touchdown. Dropped. Then we have a couple missed field goals. And then I, there's I'm skipping over a few things because there's a specific thing with the blocked field goal. Or was this the block? Yeah, it was the blocked field goal that I want to talk about. What led to the blocked field goal? So the Bills have a very good drive going. Very, very good drive going. They're driving all the way down the length of the field. Complete passes. Run the ball really well. It's looking really solid. And then we have one of the strangest occurrences I've ever seen in my freaking life. We went from having a horse collar tackle, or from what we thought was a horse collar tackle. No, 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 no. We got a flag thrown on the field for what everybody else out there thought was a horse collar tackle. And ironically, the Bills' uh, highlights are on the field, are on the TV right now. I'm watching the Chargers-Ravens game right now. It's just turned halftime. The Bills-Ravens, or the Bills-Eagles highlights are playing right now. But we had what we thought was turning into a horse collar turned into an intentional grounding penalty, which gives Josh two of the dumbest intentional grounding penalties I've ever seen in my life. I don't know the Bengals one. 
The option route thing, no idea what was happening there. Terry McCullough, go, <laughs> go suck one off for trying to defend that BS. And then today, and then today, I don't remember who, who's the guy for, for CBS. Who's that guy? It's not Dean Blandino because he's on Fox. It's, I don't remember who the hell was talking. Gene Steratore. Gene Steratore was the guy who was talking. For you to defend an intentional grounding penalty when Gabe Davis is two yards away from Josh Allen and the ref is staring at Josh Allen, getting his jersey literally ripped by, his, I think it was Hassan Reddick who got the penalty. I don't remember exactly who got the penalty, but you're two yards away. The ref is. Gabe's two yards away. And Gabe Davis... The reason it was intentional grounding because apparently Gabe Davis was engaged as a blocker. You want to know who got the freaking sack? The guy Gabe Davis was quote-unquote blocking. That's not a... He's not blocking. That's the whole reason the the horse collar happened. Is that the guy Gabe Davis was quote-unquote blocking or the guy he quote-unquote engaged with got the hit on Josh. His jersey literally ripped. Everybody I've seen, whether it's on social media, whether it's in the booth, Tony Romo, Jim Nance, whoever, every single person was confused on not only was it not a horse collar tackle, but it was also an intentional grounding penalty on top of it. And then the tack stack on top of that, then Tyler Bass's field goal gets blocked. The stack on top of that. Now, ball don't lie type thing happened next, and the Bills get the ball back. I think Jalen Hurts fumbled the ball, or like they didn't get an exchange right or something. But good God. How does that happen in the NFL? I can't wait for the fine for Hassan Reddick or whoever again had the force collar penalty. But good thing it doesn't matter for anything. Doesn't matter in the grand scheme of the football game. No, 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 no. And maybe the Bills would have still taken a 17-7 lead in the half. Maybe that still would have been the case. But good Lord, Really? We had a stupid-ass intentional grounding penalty against the Bengals two weeks ago, and then now we've got this one, or three weeks ago, now we got this one now. With no horse collar penalty attached to it when his quarterback got his jersey literally ripped. Widowy. He widowy got his jersey whipped. And we're sitting here <laughs> pretending like it didn't happen. In the first half, and I understand a lot of these penalties were fine. There's some holding calls in there. But there were some weak-ass calls in the first half. And a lot that just went whoop over the referee's head in the first half. 10 to 1 penalties? Really? In the first half? 10 to 1? Are we being for real here? 10 to 1. And the only penalties the Bills got after that, for or the Eagles got after that, was a makeup rough in the passer call. And then two false starts penalties on Jason Kelsey on the last drive of the game. That was it. We're not going to talk about the holding call on Stephon Diggs that was on Darius Slay. No, we're not going to talk about the Bass interference call that was on Sherfield down the field. No, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about Diggs getting trucked by an Eagles defender after Josh Allen scored his rushing touchdown. No, we're not going to talk about that either. But good thing you got two pretty got a rough in the passer call and two false start penalties. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. And I don't want to sit here and act... Like, these are the reasons the Bills lost the game. I know my tone is sounding like that. It's just frustrating from what it happened. You're down 10-1 to 1 in penalties in the first half. 10-1. to 1. The Eagles didn't get bit more than one penalty. And there was a people out. We were at the keg stand watching. There were some people mad about the jumps the Eagles off line was getting. But, hey, the refs were letting the Bills do that, too. So, I really didn't have a, a problem with the, the tackles leaving early. And Lane Johnson even played today. So, it wasn't even Lane Johnson doing it. 
But Deion Dawkins got away with it too. So it was like, you, you can take and give some. Uh, oh, we didn't even mention the block in the back. Non-call penalty on the punt return. That is another non-penalty call there. Yeah, I just... The Bills didn't lose the game because of the penalties, but the penalties sure as hell didn't help anything. Or the lack of penalties sure as hell didn't help anything. Oh my god. Insanely frustrating game. Insanely frustrating game. But the but then, like, going into the second half, offense does their thing. I mean, Josh throws an interception, but that one I'm not even really going to sit here and, like, be, be moan or anything because it was just well played by Bradbury. Very well played. Diggs ran an out route. Bradbury had a choice to go over top or play short. Safety covered over top. Bradbury came off. Didn't see him. Completely missed him. And jumped the route. It was a good ball. If Let's say, <laughs> we're going to play hypotheticals here. If Bradbury wasn't there, it's a nice pass to Diggs, and he probably gets a first down. Maybe if he doesn't get a first down, he gets a decent game. But Bradbury made the right read. Like, you have the safety help over top. You're going to guard the deep route. There's an out route because it's trying to give him an option to the corner. Corner chucks down, picks it off, and it's whatever. So I take or leave that. I don't care. That can happen to literally any quarterback. It's not like Josh made a bad decision or anything. It was going to – I think regardless, I think the pick was happening. That's my main thing here because I think the safety would have jumped the route too with the, to Gabe Davis. We'll get to Dave, yeah, Gabe Davis here in a little bit too. But, yeah, you had the pick. Um, I'm trying to remember everything that happened in my head. Uh, <laughs> offense goes down the field, scores, does their thing. Josh Allen, we talked about the rushing touchdown. Josh Allen mashing all the buttons to score his rushing touchdown there. I got to go to scoring summary to try and remember everything that – oh, Josh Allen's – Wait, which one was the 16-yard run? That was the... Okay, that was third quarter. That was the third quarter one where he kind of tucked through a bunch of people and then got in from 16 yards out. Fourth quarter, Bills drive the length of the field. Great, great play calling from Joe Brady. Like, they ran they ran the same play three times out of their first four plays of the drive. You had Davis and Shakir to the right, motion across. Shakir tucks in or Gabe Davis tucks in, I don't remember, and they run the ball to the right. It was whether it was James Cook, whether it was Latavius Murray, whether it was Ty Johnson, who was looking really good as the Bills' third-choice running back right now. Forget they signed Leonard Fournette. <laughs> it was been nowhere to be seen since signing for Buffalo, which I don't know why people actually thought he was going to do anything in Buffalo. I didn't think Ty Johnson would be this big of a threat, but I didn't think that Leonard Fournette would take any playing time away from James Cook or Latavius Murray. Those two have been really solidified as the Bills' top two options in the backfield so far this season. But... After that drive, long drive, nice drive, uh, Josh Allen hits Gabe Davis in the end zone for a touchdown. Really nice play action. Linebacker tucks in. That's what Josh is reading. Once linebacker tucks in, you throw it offset linebacker. Leads Gabe Davis perfectly in the end zone. Easy touchdown. Really nice drive. Now, I wasn't saying it was going to be a game-winning drive, but it was a really nice drive. And I, for the, I haven't seen it on social media that often. You, you see it sometimes in these types of situations where it's like, oh, they scored too early. Or they did this, or they did that. They scored. They gave the other team too much time. When you're in that situation on third down, you don't really know when your next opportunity is going to score. Like the Bills, their drives could stall like that. <laughs> you never know. So I was not sitting there going like, "Oh God, they gave the Eagles too much time." Because I think if the Bills got the first down, the next play anyways, I think the Eagles are probably going to let the Bills score. I think that's what that was what was going to happen. And then the Eagles get the ball next, and we got the two false start penalties. I didn't even think about this till after the game. My sister's boyfriend, we were, my parent, my dad, my sister called my dad on the way back from the cave stand back to my parents' house, and her boyfriend's was sitting there like, if, if Jordan Poyer not letting AJ Brown catch the ball, it let the clock run instead of breaking up, that stopped the clock for the Eagles. 
I didn't even think about that at the time. But yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. If, if A.J. Brown catches that ball and he stays in bounds, or he goes out of bounds backwards, or like goes out of bounds not having forward momentum, the clock runs. So then the clock keeps going. The Eagles don't have any timeouts left, and you're doing the whole like NASCAR thing where they're subbing in the kicking unit, the offense, all that stuff. Maybe you get a 12-man penalty again. Who knows? But in the spur of the moment, you don't really think about that. You don't really think about that. But the Eagles' defense, our offense goes right down the field. Again, the two false start penalties backs him up a little bit. And then they get the 59-yard field goal from Jake Elliott, which is not surprising. He does that shit all the time. Or 59, yeah, 59-yard field goal, sorry. I can't remember if it was 58 or 59. But he does that all the time. So I was not shocked in the slightest that he hit the field goal. What frustrated me, what pissed me off, was trying to ice him. Why ice him in this situation? I said this to my dad. I said it to Noah. I think everybody on social media has said it since the game ended. And hindsight's 2020 for those people. I said it in the spur of the moment. Don't ice him. Don't waste the timeout and ice him. You're kicking a 59-yard field goal. He's already, if he's going to be in his own head, he's already in it. There's no sense in icing him at this point. And you want to know what happened? Shocker to everybody? Because I think Jake Elliott is 8 for 8 for game-winning or game-tying field goals for the Eagles in the past however many seasons. At least that's the graphic they popped up. I don't know if I, do not quote me on that because I'm not sure if that's 100% right. But I feel like that was a graphic I saw on there. Like, if you're going to, he's already in it. He's already in it. Now, if you're going to call a timeout, do it before they snap the ball. Sure, that's fine. But don't waste that timeout there. Clock stopped. 59-yard field goal. You don't need to ice a 59-yard field goal. You know what pisses me off? With the gift of, like, even after saying that, with a 20, don't waste timeout, the Bills would have had two timeouts left. Eagles kicked the ball to the back of the end zone. If I if he was there, back of the end zone, like they're caught. I can't remember. But you have two timeouts left at this point with 20 seconds left. I was at the game where the Kansas City Chiefs drove 13 seconds with three timeouts. So, yeah, you with Josh Allen at quarterback, with Stephon Diggs at wide receiver, with big play Gabe Davis at receiver, you can drive that field. You did it against the Lions last year on Thanksgiving. Like, you can do it. You are more than capable of doing that. And you know what you did instead? You had no, you had one timeout left because you burnt it on the front to ice the freaking kicker. And guess what? You took the coward's way out and knelt it. Because what have we said numerous times in the past however many years? When they get to situations like this, they play not to lose. Because, oh, what if we turn the ball over? What if we have a Georgia Tech-Miami situation? Where we turn the ball over, then Georgia Tech gets the ball back, and they score a game-winning touchdown, we lose. What if that happens? Well, Lord knows what happens, because you just freaking knelt it. And you burnt the timeout trying to ice a dude that's probably not going to get iced. It's a freaking NFL. If it's Jake Elliott, and you know the statistics of him going into these types of kicks, he's probably going to make it. Per my stats, <laughs> it's 100% likely he's going to make this kick. Now, it is a little tougher given the rain and the wind situations, but still, it's Jake Elliott. This isn't a bottom five kicker. This isn't Matt Amendola from the freaking Houston Texans that missed a 58-yard field goal today. No, it's not that. This is Jake Elliott. He's kicked in Philly, I'm pretty sure, his entire career. So I don't think these, these conditions are really that bothersome to him, I guess. I got to take a sip of this beautiful Confluence beer. Burgos, you're going to overtime. Offense goes down the field, and then we have, man, what could have been the game-winning touchdown? What could have been the game-winning touchdown? What should have been the game-winning touchdown? Josh Allen to Gabe Davis. Safety. 
middle of the field's open. It's an option route because you read off the safety. Safety's playing inside. You go outside. Safety played outside. Go inside. Safety's undecided. You look in the middle of the field, see no one there. You cut inside. So guess what? Middle of the field, wide ass open. Playing towards the sideline. You know what Gabe Davis does? An option route. Goes to the outside. Why? Josh Allen throws it inside. Why is Gabe Davis on the outside? Why is Gabe Davis the one running option routes? Because the intentional grounding we talked about against the Bengals was also an option route. Guess who ran that route? Gabe Davis. I understand Gabe Davis had a good game. First good game pretty much all year. Apart from like one earlier, he might have, I can't remember, he scored a touchdown earlier this year. So he, did a, he did a Shane Gills celebration, but I don't remember what the game was. That's the only touchdown I can remember him scoring this year. He's been anonymous the past, jeez, three, four games. Captain, number two wide receiver. Anonymous, that's what you want from your captain or number two wide out, right? The only thing you know about him, apart from this game, because he made a lot of decent catches today. He got the dropped pass, ended up in an interception against the Broncos. You have the intentional grounding against the Bengals. You have the intentional grounding, or not the intentional grounding, but the choice route went wrong against the Philadelphia Eagles today. Josh Allen throws inside, Gabe Davis goes outside. Wide open either way. But when the middle of the field's wide-ass open, why are you cutting off your area? Why are you making the throw harder by going to the place with less space? You're on the hash. You're going towards the back pylon. There's not a lot of room to work with. Why would you not go to the open-ass area in the middle of the freaking field? Why is that not? Why are you doing that? That's your number two wide receiver. Your number two option in your offense. Who had a good game up to that point. And then that happens again. Choice route. Chose wrong. Ends up not working out for the Bills. Tyler Bass makes the field goal. And the Eagles have a chance to go down to either winner to tie the game. And in these situations, just like in regulation, I was not confident. I'm never confident going into these situations. Like, I'd love to see the graphic that says Josh Allen's 0-6 in fourth quarter and comeback games and overtime games and all that stuff. Dude, Josh Allen left the field twice in this game. The end of regulation and the end of overtime with the lead. He left the game losing. Josh Allen and the offense, I repeat, left the field twice in the fourth quarter and regulation, or fourth quarter and overtime, sorry, with the lead. You want to know what happened? The Eagles tied the game in regulation and won the game in overtime. Because again, the Bills play not to lose. You don't want to get beat over top, so you're playing soft coverage. So guess what's happening? The Eagles and every other freaking team you played, and it's not just Jalen Hurts, no, you would think it'd be only only for the good quarterbacks. No, Mac Jones did this. Mac Jones drove the length of the field against the Bills. The Patriots scored 29 points against the Bills. This is their first home win of the season. This is their second win of the year. That's their last win. Was against the Bills. 29 points, game-winning drive. So every time these situations happen, I am never confident that the Bills are going to win a game. If they get in situations like that against good football, I shouldn't even say good football teams anymore. Just any team with a freaking pulse, I'm not confident in it. 
it's not because the offense, offense drove the length of the field twice. Had gave them chances to win. Defense couldn't stop it. This has happened every freaking year. That's my biggest problem with this. With Sean McDermott. I love Sean McDermott. I think he's awesome for what he did to turn around the Bills organization to end the playoff drought and all that stuff. But the, the window, I think, is closed. And it's games like this. When the going gets tough, are you going to actually try or are you going to fold? And more often than not, this team folds. Whether it's the playoffs or regular season. It used to be strictly a playoff thing. Now we're dipping into the regular season. You have the oldest roster in the NFL. At least last time I checked. I could be wrong. Go and Google that yourself. I'm not bothering Googling that. This happens all the time. Always losing games like this. This is not an anomaly. This is just what happens with this team. I don't know what it is. Left the field twice with the lead. I'm tired of games losing like this. I'm tired of losing games like this. It is beyond frustrating at this point. And I'm trying to get this graphic to pop up, but it's not working. Because I had a screenshot, and I guess my computer's not synced to my phone right now. So we're going to try and find it on Instagram. Hold on. Let me look here. Shouldn't take me too long. Here we go. The Bills have given up a tying or go-ahead touchdown or field goal. To go tie or go-ahead drives in the final two minutes in four of their six losses. You want to know who those quarterbacks were in those four or six losses? The Jets with Zach Wilson, week one. The Patriots. And I know the Bills lost, technically, on a punt return touchdown against the Jets. The go, the tying touchdown happened. And the offense, Josh Allen had four turnovers. So I'm not skating by and saying Josh Allen was without guilt in that game. Far from it. We lambasted him on this place. In the Patriots game, 29 points. Broncos. I understand they're playing fine right now. I understand Russell Wilson's having a decent year. But still, cannot lose that game. And then today against the Eagles. For their six losses. I don't even want to read what the quotes were from this game. Because it's just, the Bills had over 500 yards of offense today. 500 total yards of offense they lost. Let me repeat that. 500 yards of total offense and they lost. How many other times does that happen? Jordan Mailata, who's the left tackle for the Eagles, said on the game-winning touchdown that he couldn't believe the Bills gave them that look, that the play is sta- a staple within their offense, and when they saw the safety move, they all knew Jalen would score. Weird. Folding when it gets tough. Again, it's, it's a common theme here. The past recent, it's not even, I shouldn't even just say recent years. I was talking to my dad about this just a little bit ago. The Bills are the 40th team since 1970 merger to have 500 yards, 10 third down conversions, and a positive turnover margin in a game. They finished, they are the first team to lose in that scenario. Teams are 39-0 going into today per ESPN stats and info. Let's keep going on what they have here on Instagram. I'm on Buffalo Fanatics Instagram. They're posting like stats and stuff after the game and now they just got videos up 
yeah, I just, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. And again, I, I respect everything Sean McDermott's done for this Bills organization, for the team, for building a quote-unquote culture. The culture's gone. The culture's gone. I, I just, I mean, you can only fire so many coordinators. To my knowledge, I think he's fired six coordinators, I think. Could be wrong in that mat in that uh, that graph. Maybe five, five or six coordinators. Recently fired Ken Dorsey. Turned out to be a good move because Joe Brady's really good at his job. I mean, Joe Brady was at LSU one year. That one year just happened to be Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson's breakout years. Clyde Zalaire. The year he wasn't there, LSU was just I. Joe Brady comes in as the pass game coordinator, goes to Carolina, Matt Rule's a dickhead, and then, you know, gets fired for not having a run game with his top two backs hurt. At least Chris McCaffrey was hurt. He's Brandon Staley with a better PR. I don't know if I'd go that far. Brandon Staley is is bad. I don't think Sean's bad, that bad. I think Sean would get another head coaching job. I don't think he'd be – Brandon Staley, I don't think, should get a head coaching job anywhere. Sean's at least won playoff games. Brandon Staley was the orchestrator of a team that gave it the biggest pl- one of the biggest playoff losses of all time to the Jacksonville Jaguars last year after having, I think, four interceptions the first half. Am I right and wrong in saying that? <laughs> yeah, I just don't. I don't know. If vintage Josh Allen, like this is one of the best games Josh Allen's played all year. This is what we wanted as fans from Josh Allen. To have a game where he's dominating the pass game, he's dominating the run game, he's talking shit, he's doing the little shoulder rolls after he scores touchdowns. Like, that's what you want to see from your quarterback. And it comes out losing. So the only thing that you will see from this game regarding Josh Allen is that he's 0-6 in overtime, all that shit. It's not a quarterback stat. I hate when people bring that up. You can win games because of quarterbacks. You can lose games because of quarterbacks. But it's not indefinite either side. It's not. It's not how that works. It's every. It's a team sport. Football is the ultimate team sport. And I, oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. I just. I'm seeing these tweets now. People are actually... There's some people on Twitter that actually said, after watching this game, Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. Huh. That's interesting. I don't think Jalen Hurts had a bad game. No, I'm not saying that at all. I don't think Jalen Hurts did anything amazing. I thought he was efficient. I thought he took what the defense gave him, which sometimes... All you need to ask from your quarterback, defense is playing soft coverage. Well, guess what? I'm going to beat your ass when it comes to the underneath routes. And uh, I will say, great throw to Zacchaeus... In the back of the end zone. Don't know what the hell Micah Hyde was doing on that play. But, hey, great throw to Zacchaeus in the back of the end zone. Third and 15. Like, hey, that's all you can really ask for sometimes for your quarterback. And Jalen Hurts did that. If the defense is playing super soft coverage and you're giving up a lot of, they're giving up a lot of space, let them eat. Let them pay for it. If they're, stack, if they're running up to the box late and you know you're going to score a touchdown, then score a touchdown. Fair play. Fair enough. But you cannot sit there and tell me that Jalen Hurts is better than Josh Allen. You can't. I'm sorry. You can't. Like, we said that after the Chiefs game. There's no way you can actually say after the Chiefs game, Jalen Hurts the MVP favorite. But to be honest, I can't tell you who the MVP favorite is. Josh Allen just got to his... He's the first quarterback to reach 30 touchdowns this season. Josh Allen second all-time in games with a rushing and passing touchdown. He just got his 34th. 
Cam Newton's first. He's got 45. I think Josh Allen could beat that record in a year. Maybe even less than that. I think we will have Josh Allen be atop that list here shortly. But, man, it is. It's just a rough game. Rough way things go. Rough way to end the season. Like, the, the, there's, you're tied with so many crappy teams that it pisses me off just, like, looking at it. Like, you look at the AFC playoff standings right now and the conference standings. Why is my computer not working? This is really fun. My computer just decided we're not going to really do any. I can't click on anything. On Safari, anyways. Maybe I shouldn't be using Safari. Maybe, that, maybe that's my issue. Let's look at the... Come on. Can something work for me today? I mean, my team doesn't, so I might as well have my computer work, right? The Bills right now are the 10th seed in the playoffs. You want to know some of the team? Like, the Bengals are 11th. The Bengals are without Joe Burrow. So that's acceptable. They got Jake Browning playing quarterback for them. So yeah, they're going to be pretty bad. But you are behind the Browns. Well, I understand they have a decent defense, but Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback. The Colts who are playing with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, and Zach Moss at running back, who was a former Bill. The Texans. The, te- the Texans. Let me read it. The Texans. I don't care how good the Texans are. I don't care. I, CJ Stroud's been playing awesome this year. There is no reason to be behind the Houston Texans. Really? Really? The Houston Texans. That team got zero chances to do anything from everybody this offseason. The Arizona Cardinals were favored to have the top two picks in the draft because of the Houston Texans and how bad they thought they would be. And now the Texans have a freaking MVP candidate quarterback and are sitting in the six hole, or the eight hole, sorry, in the playoffs above the Bills who are supposed to be the top team in the AFC or one of the top teams in the AFC. And then the Denver Broncos. If you had told me before the season that they would behind, be behind those teams, the Steelers, they're behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenny Pickett, and I didn't, I don't know if he threw a touchdown today, but since it, him and Anthony Richardson, last time I checked, had the same number of passing touchdowns. Anthony Richardson got hurt on October 2nd, and they had the same number of passing touchdowns. Let's see if Kenny Pickett po- passed him today. He didn't. He didn't. He had 278 yards, no touchdowns against the Bengals. The Steelers are 7-4 right now. And this, is like, this is just the freaking Hawkeyes of the NFL. It makes sense because they look just like them, but if you would have told me all those teams would be above the Bills before the, play, the season started, I would have called you crazy. If you would have told me the Bills would have six losses going into the bye week, I would have called you crazy. And that's one of the worst things about this. I got two more weeks to worry about the Kansas City Chiefs. Isn't that fun? Yeah, you just got done with the Eagles and on the road. Guess what? You get to go to Arrowhead for the 18th year in a row because for whatever reason, apart from the COVID year, you, they don't get to go to Buffalo. And apart from the season, there's no fans in the stands. They don't go to Buffalo. They stay in Kansas City where it's safe. Do they play any hard teams on the road? Have they ever played a tough road team? I, I, don't, I, I never see, Every time I see a tough Chiefs game, it's always at Arrowhead. When do they play good teams on the road? Do they ever do that? Is that is that am I crazy? I don't feel like I've ever watched them play a tough road game apart from a division game. What is their hard road games this year? So they played the Eagles at home. They played the Bills at home. 
Like, unless I'm completely blanking on something. They played the Lions at home, and they lost that game. I know the Lions just lost the Packers, but the Lions are still a pretty good football team. Crazy what playing Brandy Staley's defense could do to you as a quarterback. I need Lamar to start playing better, though. Would help me out in fantasy. Because I can't win that either. Good God. This week sucks. Terrible week for for the NFL, anyways. My college week was pretty solid. Can't complain about that, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, the season, as far as I'm aware, I could be wrong. Things can change. I'm obviously aware of that, but it seems done. It seems done and dusted. So we'll kind of pivot our way towards trying to figure out what we're going to do in the draft. Hopefully get a number two wide receiver. Draft one. Maybe, hey, maybe they'll sell everything and they'll have to get a new number one receiver. I don't know. I doubt it because you can't given the contract situation. Can't really move him on because you got too much dead cap space if you trade digs or cut him. So that's not happening. So it, it, we're just in a messy situation right now. Windows closed. Uh, you got to change something. You can only fire so many coordinators. I told that to my dad and sister. You can only fire so many coordinators and there's one person left. This is a common occurrence. I don't. The, if you have watched the Bills over the past however many years, you watch today. This is not a like anomaly. Games like this happen all the time. So that's why when the Eagles got the ball back, I wasn't surprised they went down the field and scored, whether it's a field goal or a game-winning touchdown. Wasn't surprised at all. So, yeah, we'll move on. We'll see what happens after this. And, yeah, go into the bye week and then wait for the Kansas City Chiefs. And then after that, guess what? you got to play the Dallas Cowboys and the Chargers. No one knows what you're going to get with those two teams. And then you're going to play the Dolphins again. Then you're going to play the Patriots again. I don't care how bad the Patriots are. You already lost to a terrible Patriots team. So, hey, let's lose to them twice in a season. Might as well just tank the rest of the – no, don't do that. I w- I'm not going to cheer ever for a team, one of my teams to lose. But that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. It can't be much worse than me cheering on this garbage. Ruining my entire day. These always have a pretty solid day, too. I showered at 2.30 or 2.15. I was doing – I had a good nothing day today. Until this stupid game happened, and now I can't, I'm wired, stupid. And Nelson Aguilar dropped a pass, surprising. Fourth and fifteen for the Ravens. I don't even know who the best quarterback is. I don't know who the best defense is. The best offense is sorry, best team. I don't know. Like Josh Allen has the most touchdowns, thirty touchdowns this season. First quarterback thirty touchdowns this year. He also has the most interceptions. He has the same amount of turnovers as Jalen Hurts, but he has more interceptions. So that's what people are going to talk about the most. At least the graphic I saw, they, they each had 15 going into the game. But I don't know. I I don't think C.J. Stroud will get the MVP because his team's losing. I mean, they're six and five. They just lost today. Again, a 58-yard field goal. But I don't. They it's like the Heisman. They're not going to give the award to a team that's losing. So I don't think Josh has a chance to win it unless they go on an insane run and then. Make the playoffs. You can't win. You can't win an MVP and miss the playoffs. Pretty much. That's what it feels like, anyways. I remember Drew Brees had a couple of those seasons. Russell Wilson had a season like that in Seattle. Like things happen. Like if you don't make the playoffs, then you're probably not winning MVP. Sorry. Hate to burst your bubble. So I don't think CJ Stroud will win it, even though I think he might be playing the best of everybody this year. I don't think Josh will win it because I don't think the Bills break the playoffs anymore. But again, I'm week to week, so <laughs> things can change. Things can change. Uh, Jalen, I. I think Jalen's good. I don't think Jalen is 
the best player in the NFL? I don't. I have a hard time thinking. I mean, if you remember my quarterback rankings, I put him at six. Like I, I like Jalen Hurts. I think he's smart with usually with what he does. I think he takes what the defense gives him. I think his rushing touchdown numbers are insanely bloated, even though he had uh, his game-winning touchdown was a decent ways out today. But there, there was a graphic, it was a, or not a graphic, a video of him and Cam Newton's rushing touchdown side-by-side, side, and it was hilarious. Going up and look at try to find that video. Try to find that video. You'll see what an MVP quarterback does running the ball, and then you'll see – I don't want to take anything away from I, – I know I'm being – like, I sound mad and sound like – Hate like a hater or something. I think Jalen Hurts is a very good quarterback, but MVP, no. Like if I'm being 100 percent honest with you, if I'm being 100 percent honest with you, the MVP of the NFL might be Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> but the way the NFL works now, where the MVP is basically a who's the best quarterback for the best team award, like Christian McCaffrey has like 200 more yards rushing than the next closest guy. He has scored a touchdown every game this season, apart from the, like two games ago, because he scored this week against Seattle. Like, it might be him. It might be Christian McCaffrey, if we're being 100% honest here. Because I don't think any of the quarterbacks really deserve it. I don't. I don't think any of them have been playing that great. I don't. Jalen Hurts, I don't think he's been playing that great. I think he has moments, but I don't think he's been playing that amazing. I did think, I did think about this with the Eagles, though. Like, getting all these Alabama and Georgia guys. Like, they have guys that have been there, done that before. So, having guys like that on your roster seems to be a pretty good thing. So, maybe everybody should draft Georgia and Alabama guys. But I don't think, like, Mahomes has been that great. Josh has had his moments, but then he has his other moments as well. I don't think Tua's been that amazing. Like, I, I, I have a hard time, like, pinpointing a quarterback. Maybe you want to say Tyreek Hill is the MVP of the league right now. Like, we talk about Christian McCaffrey being that much more, having that much money, having that much more yards rushing the ball. Tyreek Hill's the same way as a receiver. So, I mean, you could go either or with the, I think those two are probably the best two players in the NFL right now. If we're being if we're being honest, but the MVP will go to a quarterback, and the offensive player of the year will go to either Chris McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill. I don't know. I, I I have a weird feeling with these awards. And now let's go. Let's actually continue that topic, but go into the Heisman. And I know we talked about this on Wednesday, but I I've had more. I had I saw another tweet about the Heisman today or yesterday. Sorry. Let me try and find this exact tweet. So it, it made me it made me ponder something a little bit. So this guy on Twitter, Mike G Line, or however you say his name, Mike Geline, at Mike Geline, that's Mike G J E L L I N E. He said sixteen of Daniel's thirties. This is before the A and M game because it was tweeted on Friday. <laughs> Sorry, sixteen of Daniel's thirty six touchdowns against Rambling Army and Georgia State, playing well in the fourth quarter of blowouts. Which no, not not normally, but you know. In LSU's two stiffest test, Ellis to Bama and Florida State, he told three touchdowns, two picks. If the Heisman's about no showing in the biggest games with padding stats versus pasties, he's it. This is what we don't like <laughs> when it comes to talking about rewards. Cherry picking stats is annoying as hell because, because we are just going to leave out that he had multiple rushing touchdowns. And over 400 yards total offense, or just like 350 against Alabama. We're going to forget that. We're going to leave out that stat. <laughs> 380 yards and three touchdowns versus Bama. But we're going to talk about only one side of it. Like they flashed a graphic. I was watching the, when we were watching the Iowa Nebraska game, which we'll get to the Iowa in a little bit. We were watching the Iowa Nebraska game, and 
they flashed the graphic for the Heisman candidates, and it was like, it was Bo Nix, Jane Daniels, Michael Penix, and Martin Harrison Jr. Penix, Nix, and Daniels all had their passing numbers up, total touchdowns, all that. So if we had total touchdowns, why don't we have rushing yards? Why don't we put total yards? Why are we just limiting it to passing yards? But we're having total touchdowns, so why not total yards? It's not, if we're doing total yards against strength of schedule, against explosive plays and all that stuff, come on now. It's not really that close. Because again, if we want to choose those two games, if we're going with three ranked games on the road, plus the neutral site game against Florida State, which played in Orlando, I believe. So four away games for LSU. In those games, he had two. we're just going to talk about passing touchdowns. Because Missouri and Ole Miss are both still top 20 teams. Last time I checked. He had a touchdown against Florida State. He had four against Ole Miss. So there's five. Then he had three against Alabama, or against Missouri, sorry. So there's eight. And he had two against Alabama. So that's ten. So in four games against ranked opponents, four games not at home, he has ten touchdowns and two interceptions. Not to mention 414 yards passing against Ole Miss. And you can say whatever you want about the defenses. I don't care. Road games? This one was at night? Losing overtime? Or losing a... I don't remember who's overtime, but... Losing an insane fashion against Ole Miss? Ten touchdowns, two picks through those games. We're just strictly talking passing. We're going to ignore the fact that he had over 1,000 yards rushing this season as well. We're going to not... We're going to ignore that. And Nixon Penix... In these games as well against these top teams, they have around 10 touchdowns too. So I don't even want to make it sound like I'm belittling them because we're strictly just talking about passing. It gets unfair when we're talking about the rushing numbers. That's where it gets a little a little bit unfair for the two. But I also don't do not really remember. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I, if you can remind me, you can remind me. Let's hold up. Hold up real quick. Could you remind me when... Uh, Jane Daniels played a team that finished the regular season with three wins. Okay. So we got a fin- regular season finished with three wins. Three and nine record. Okay. Three, three, three and nine record. And finished with no touchdowns and two interceptions. Could you, t- could you find a game for me with Jane Daniels with that? Because if we're picking and choosing which stats to bring up and which one's not, Jane Daniels does not have a single game where he has not registered at least one passing touchdown. He's only got one game where he doesn't at least register more than one touchdown in the games. Like, I know we want to talk about Grambling Army and Georgia State, but hey, he threw four against Texas A&M this weekend. He threw four against Ole Miss. He threw three against Missouri. But I don't remember a game where Jane Daniels threw more interceptions than touchdowns. Not only that, doubled the amount of interceptions he had for touchdowns. I don't remember that game, especially at home at night against a team that won three games. I, just, I, I for whatever reason, I'm blanking on that. Man, could you guys help me with that one? I'd be like Dora the Explorer or Barney talking to the kids at home. Like, hey, could you help me find this? Could you help me find this game, please? This mystery game that he had zero touchdowns and two interceptions against a team that finished with three wins? I can't seem to find that. At home, no less? So those who don't get it, that was Michael Penix. That was Michael Penix for you. And let's find, let's also, let's find a game where Jane Daniels threw zero passing touchdowns in the game. Sure, he didn't have an interception, but he also had zero passing touchdowns. 
Oh, we can't. George Cherry picking stats. He did that against Arizona. Had no touchdowns, no interceptions. No interceptions, fine. He also had a stretch of four straight games. In those four straight games, he told five interceptions. Jane Daniels so far this season <laughs> has totaled four interceptions. Michael Penix has doubled the interception numbers and has less passing touchdowns. And we're not even going to bring up the rushing touch rushing numbers because that's just cheating. Michael Penix, just for your <laughs> just for your uh, entertainment, has negative fourteen rushing yards this season. Negative fourteen. His highest total this season was twenty two. <laughs> But we're stat we're par- we're cherry picking here. We can only- we're only we're only picking stats that fit my narrative. We're only picking stats that fit my narrative. So I'm not gonna bring up any of the other numbers Jay- that Michael Penix had this year. We're not. I'm not gonna bring up the fact that Jane Daniels has 40 passing touchdowns and four interceptions. Not to mention 1,100 rushing yards and 10 touching touchdowns there as well. So he has 50 total touchdowns on the season. I think combined Penix has what 41, maybe. He has one more total touchdown than Jane Daniels has passing touchdowns. And you want to bring up whose passing numbers are better? Okay. I must have missed that part. I must have missed the game where Jane Dan or when Michael Penix had 234 yards rushing against an SEC school. I must have missed that one. But we were going to bring up the Georgia State grambling, all those games. We're only going to bring up those games. So, yes, oh man, he stat padded against those shit ass teams. With immense authority, did totally average had 606 yards total offense against one of those bad teams. Oh wait, he did that against an SEC school. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I must have missed that one. Oh, I must have forgot. Man, must skip my mind. 163 yards on the ground. Man, he did absolutely torch those shit ass teams. What team was that again? Oh, it was Alabama. Oh, on the road. Oh, he had. But I was told the only stat padded against these bad teams. 163 yards on the ground against Alabama cannot be right. I refuse to believe that is right. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way he averaged 14.8 yards a carry against Alabama. No, he only does it against bad teams. <laughs> Get out of here. I love when people stat pet like choose cherry pick arguments like that. They're not even gonna bring up bonus. I know we don't look at like offensive schemes and all that stuff. I don't even want to talk about that with Bo Nix. I like Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is a very good quarterback. Don't want to take anything. I think all these guys are deserving Heisman finalists. I don't have anything negative against them. I'm just making sure that we're cherry picking stats because that's what we like to do on here. Man. (laughs) He threw an interception against Colorado. Ass. Man. Imagine throwing an interception against the worst defense in college football. Man. And we're just stat, we're cherry picking. I'm not selling and telling you the context or anything. So remember, you can go look that up on the LoganBlackmanShow.com under the blog section. That was what, week four quarterback rankings? You can go check that out there. I'm not going to give you the context behind the interception because we're just looking at stats, strictly looking at stats. Oh, man, six passing touchdowns against Arizona State? So the team that had Michael Penix had zero passing touchdowns and two interceptions against, Bonix had six touchdowns in? So is Michael Penix's complete dog water? What is happening here? Man, he's so bad. Good lordy. Dude, ass, right? That's what I'm saying. Good God. I hate these people on Twitter. Absolutely hate them. We've watched every single game these guys have played this year, and you could not definitively tell me any of those guys have played better than Jaden Daniels. I'm sorry. 
And maybe it's biased because I've liked Jaden Daniels for a while now. We've talked about him on the Logan Blackman show the past however many years now, where he's at Arizona State. You can go look at blog posts about that as well. But it's not I don't I'm not saying these guys aren't deserving Heisman finalists, but let's like looking at strength of schedule and everything. Like it's not really close. <laughs> Like, all the ranked teams LSU played this year, at the time they were ranked, right now they're ranked two. Out of the teams that <laughs> Oregon played when they are ranked, only two of them are ranked currently, and that's Oregon State and Washington. We're not even going to talk about having a ranked win against Colorado. We're not even going to mention that because that's a whole different kettle of fish that we're not going to delve into, really. And then Utah, who got freaking boat raced by Arizona. See, you can cherry pick your stats all you want. You can. And Bo Nix, three touchdowns. Jeez, he had six touchdowns against Hawaii and, and Portland State. Good Lord. who te Didn't Texas Tech just have a terrible game like this week? Okay, 57-7 <laughs> against Texas. The team that Oregon barely beat week two. Man. Needing 15 turnovers from Tyler Show to win the game. Jeez. Man, Bo Nix must be ass then. Man, Bo Nix needed an entire game, only beat them by eight points to beat a team that lost to Wyoming. Man. Ass, right? Man, that's just fun. They, man, they, they, lost, they only beat a team by eight points who needed one point to beat UCF? What? The more I look at it, the more and more I think, man, Bo Nix and Michael Penix are just complete ass. That's kind of just what I'm gathering from this entire situation. I know you got pit different arguments to fit in, too. Like, you have to pull and twist different stats and all that stuff to tell you who's the Heisman winner. When in reality, all you got to do is use your freaking eyes and you could see. But, again, like we've talked about before, like a couple weeks ago, and not even just a couple weeks ago, pretty much the entire season – Though I think Daniels is far and away been the the clear winner for the Heisman Trophy, strength of schedule, explosive plays, stats, eye test, whatever, it's it's Jaden Daniels. Like if I want to watch quick offensive plays where a receiver will catch the ball at the fifth, ten yards past the line of scrimmage and take it ninety yards for a touchdown, then yeah, I'll watch Oregon. Then yeah, Bo Nix, who leads the nation and his yards, most of it comes after the catch. So. I think Bo Nix is fine. I think Bo Nix is a good quarterback. I think he deserves to get drafted. I think he's a very good, solid quarterback. But if you want to choose stats, let's look at yards after catch type stuff. I think Jane Daniels throws the best deep ball in college football. I think Jane Daniels is the most explosive player on the field at all times in college football. I saw Ryan Leaf talk about the other day. Jane Daniels would not start at Washington or Oregon. It depends on what kind of offense you want to run. Would those guys be able to do what he does at LSU? No. Because they wouldn't be asked to run as much because they don't have that ability. More so Knicks, or more so Penix than Knicks, because Penix got the knee injury. I know Penix has been running the ball a lot better recently, but Penix is a lot more active runner than Michael Penix is. So if we want to use that analogy, would they start at what LSU? No, because they can't do what Joe, Jane Daniels does. They can he can do what they do. And we can look at just the stats to see that. They're all comparable in yard in passing yards and touchdowns and all that. So, yeah, he can do that. The problem is Washington's undefeated. I, don't, I mean, I don't remember Jane Daniels throwing 
two should have been interceptions against a five-win team at home. I don't remember him doing that this year. But again, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed it. But Washington's undefeated. Probably should have lost to Washington State on Saturday. And Oregon's got one loss. And Oregon will probably beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. Given recent form, I think Oregon wins that game. So, one of those two will probably win it. I think whoever wins the Pac-12 championship game probably wins the Heisman because their team's better. Overall, team's better. LSU's defense is bad. Very bad. Oregon's defense is very good. Very good defense. But Jane Danielson, there were three losses to the likes of Florida State, to the likes of Ole Miss, to the likes of Alabama. So he probably won't win it. Even though every single number, every single eye test, every single anything tells you he's the Heisman, because now the Heisman has turned from individual performance to strictly team performance, he won't win it. Same goes for MVP in the NFL. Jalen Hurts is not the best player in the NFL. But because his team is 10-1, and one, because he had a game-winning touchdown today, he is going to be the favorite for MVP. And for however, hell, however the hell he got it, like his odds boosted from last week, I understand he had a game-winning drive or whatever last week. Like, that just ultimately proves it. If he wins, it's the most mid-MVP race of all time. <laughs> most mid of all time. That highlight tape, I know you do a lot more than MVP. Like, MVP is not just about highlight tapes. It's not just about that. I understand that. But if we're going to go together and put MVP tapes for every single MVP winner in NFL history, Jalen Hurts might have one of the worst MVP highlight tapes of all time. It's not pretty, but it's effective, and that's why the Eagles are as good as they are. Or as good as they are. I, think, I don't think they're as good as they are, if that makes any sense. I think they're doing enough to win, but I don't think that they're head and shoulders above the rest of the league. I don't think they're... I don't think they're good enough to have a really a two-game gap on every other team in the NFL, if that makes any sense. Like, I think they're on – I think, like, the Niners are on par with them, and the Niners have three losses. Because the Niners completely shut off for three, for three straight weeks. Completely shut off. I, th- I think if the Niners are at full strength and clicking, I think the Niners are the best team in football. But we don't know that. We'll have to wait and see to the NFC Championship game if it happens or the playoffs or whatever. What, do they do they play each other this year? I guess I don't even know. They could, and I just completely forgot about it. Because they played the Cowboys. They do? Oh, that's next week. That's an afternoon. Oh, man, it's not an afternoon game. Who's the freaking Sunday night game next week? So Eagles night. That's actually ironic. I was just, <laughs> We were just thinking about that, and it's the next game. Who's Sunday night? Ah, gross. Chiefs-Packers is Sunday night football? Ugh. I know the Packers are on, like, a little win streak now, but... Man, and screw you, Raiders. You should have had the win today. Up 14-0, lose that game to the Chiefs. Man, I can't ask you guys to do anything. Can't do anything right. Freaking stupid Raiders. Stupid, stupid, stupid Raiders. Hate that stupid team. Oh, my God. But this NFL week was not very (laughs) enjoyable to watch. It was not... It was not one of your... Let's right go home and write it up this week in the NFL. Like the Patriots, they bench Mac Jones. Shocker. They they won, lost the game ten to seven to Tommy DeVito. Then you got the freaking Steelers and Bengals game. Jake Browning versus Kenny Pickett, sixteen to ten matchup there. Falcons Saints, twenty four to fifteen snooze fest game. Titans Panthers, seventeen ten game. And then we had the rookie battle between uh, Will Levis and Bryce Young. 
I saw some today. Someone said Will Levis outdueled Bryce Young. Uh, neither one of them threw a touchdown, and neither one of them registered an interception. Neither one of them registered a single touchdown, for that matter. So I don't really know, apart from Bryce Young fumbling it, that we can say one played significantly better than the other. The Panthers are just ass. That's the long and short of it. The Panthers are an ass football team. They have locked up that number one overall pick, no matter how bad the Patriots are. They suck. So I'm intrigued to see what the both teams do, or both teams, the Bears and Patriots do, with that number one overall two pick. Number one and number two overall pick. Now, as far as this week goes in the NFL, as we just said, not great in regards to watching ability. College football is completely different. This weekend, college football was perfect. Almost perfect. As perfect, as close to perfect as you get. It didn't start off like that. So we had the snooze fest that was the egg bowl between freaking Ole Miss and Mississippi State, 17-10, whatever the hell game that was. I didn't even bother watching that because it was Thanksgiving. I kind of forgot I was on. I don't even think I, I barely watched the freaking 49ers Seahawks game. I was playing Gotcha, which is a board game that I think my grandparents invented. I was playing that with my cousins or my grandparents and my nana. We're playing that. So I, I kind of forgot the old the egg bowl was on. But hey, it happened. And then Friday, Black Friday, got Iowa, Nebraska, 11 o'clock kick, 13 10. <laughs> and what a shit show. <laughs> In the best way imaginable, what a shit show. Like, why did Nebraska come out there with a Purdy at quarterback? Do they not know the Purdies are incapable of beating the Iowa Hawkeyes? Brock never did it at Iowa State. Sure as hell, Chubba is not going to do it at freaking Nebraska. It ain't happening. And Chubba made sure, <laughs> in Purdy fashion, to throw a clutch interception to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Right after Deacon Hill <laughs> did. And then, long game. Game-winning field goal. Bench the kicker before you bench a quarterback, which is hilarious timing for a dude who had not kicked a single field goal all year, but he'd been consistent at practice. So we're going to put him out there for the game-winning field goal in his first attempt of the season from 39 yards out, and he squeaks it through. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But I thought it was hilarious. They brought it to Purdy and thought that could beat Iowa. Really, they really thought that. But, uh, like... From the game notes itself, LaShawn Williams thought had a nice game. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, the uh, Jamari Harris, they had, there was some cries for a, a targeting penalty. Uh, Freaking, what's his name? T uh, Ross Tucker was screaming from the rooftops that he needs to get his ass out of the game. And, uh, yeah, didn't. But <laughs> just... Uh, mess of a game <laughs> this, to put it lightly I'm not surprised I'm not sitting here like aghast of what happened in this game 13 and 10 was about what I expected I think we said 10 7 here on the show like I was not expecting anything amazing from either team here but Deacon Hill quarterback sneaks that dude is literally just big for no reason I don't I don't understand it for six foot three 200 city pounds that dude you would imagine he could get more than a half yard on the quarterback draw you would imagine that it is a damn struggle for him to move the ball. That dude is literally big for no reason. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't know what he brings. I really don't. I don't know what he brings. He has a rocket for an arm. He's a mobile to hell, and he can't push anybody forward despite being the biggest dude on the field. I, I don't know how it works, but guess what? 
Iowa does not give two shits about what you think about Deacon Hill, about them benching a kicker before they benched him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he hits the floor a thousand times. It doesn't matter if he leads the receiver directly into the path of the defender a hundred more times. Guess what? They're not benching him because they're going to bench Drew Stevens instead because he missed a field goal and then got another one blocked. That's what we're going to do instead. And it worked out. So you can sit back and go like, well, wow, we are so big brain with that. And it's just, I don't know. 13-10, not, not shocking. Not shocking at all. I did see, though, today, there's nothing really to talk about this game. It's just, it just happened. It just happened. That's all I can really say about it. Where is this thing? Where is the tweet that I, oh, yeah, yeah. Kirk Ferentz when asked about winning games and low-scoring offense. We had a chance to have an excellent offense here. Things probably started changing on August 12th. That's when Cade McNamara's quad strain happened. Dude, I, I understand you're trying to, like, I mean, you could say that and people will buy it. The offense was asked last year. The offense scored seven points without scoring a touchdown against South Dakota State last year. I don't think they were going to be an explosive offense this year with or without Cade McNamara. I understand him getting hurt preseason sucked. Him getting hurt during the season sucked. But that's not why the offense was bad or the offense was so low scoring. I understand why he's saying that. I, it's just not, that's not the case. <laughs> that's not true. It's not true. And that's, that's fine. He's allowed to say that. He's the head coach. He's allowed to say that, but it's not, it's just not true. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I will be going to the big 10 championship game against Michigan. They are a 21 and a half point dog. Last time I checked, we'll see if that's adjusted since then. That was last night when I saw that. Let's see if it's changed. The line is 23. For Michigan, the over-under is 35 and a hat. So that's what's really funny. Michigan is a 23-point favorite in this game, and their over-under is 35 and a half. So they're not even expecting Iowa to really score in this game. <laughs> like, people are going to hammer the under for this game because they can't. Because the, the only way that Iowa – it's a little bit different than what we're looking at from, like, the last time they played – these two teams played in the Big Ten Championship game. Michigan is more of a – complete team, I guess you could say, than having this the two main guys on the edge and Daxon Hill over top. Like, they're a more complete team. They can beat the shit out of you. They're the most physical team in all of college football, barring maybe like Oregon State or something. But they are a physical-ass football team. You saw against Penn State, they don't even need their quarterback to throw the football to win. He threw the ball eight times, completed seven of them, had eight carries as well in that game. They can beat you into submission and not care. And you know when they're doing that, they're going to run up the score on you as well. So Iowa, they need to make this game ugly. They need to respond with ugliness with ugly because that's the only way they can win. And the thing is, when Brady and I talked about it, Iowa's the best equipped team, sadly, to win the Big Ten Championship out of the Western schools because Nebraska ain't doing it, Wisconsin ain't doing it, Northwestern, Purdue, all those teams ain't doing it. So Iowa's the most equipped team. Iowa just needs to run the shit out of the ball. Control the play clock in this game. Do not do any stupid five. Like against Michigan the last time, they did a bunch of stupid five-step drops with deep routes. When your offensive line sucks and you have the two best edge rushers in college football ops of you, you should probably change that. But given Brian Ferentz's ineptitude at both coaching quarterbacks and coaching an offense, that was not going to happen. So in this game with Iowa having this quarterback issue and that it could have been so much more explosive with Kate McNamara at quarterback. Okay. They just need to run the shit out of the ball. Whether it's LaShawn Williams, whether it's Caleb Johnson, whether it's Jazz, whatever. Run the shit out of the ball. Control. Try your best to control the clock. 
because you're not going to beat Michigan throwing the football. With Deacon Hill at quarterback, you're not going to do that. And in a game like this, where Michigan's offense, though is good, they are a very good running game, their receivers are not amazing. Roman Wilson's good. Cornelius Johnson's good. Colson Loveland's good. None of them are great. That's what scared me about Ohio State. They could not match up with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Ibuka, Cade Stover, without Cooper DeGene. I understand Harris is a good corner. I understand Castro's good. But these are different animals here. You're not playing the Big Ten West. You're playing the best receiver in the country by a country mile. That was what feared me about, Mich- about Ohio State. Michigan matches up with Iowa. They're very similar-ish in regards to mentality. That's why they went out and got Cade McNamara. They don't need to do anything too flashy to, to win games. But the thing is, Michigan has that other option because they actually you know, have a good quarterback. So they're able to do things. So they just need to control the ball. Because if you go against Michigan and you keep going three and out and you keep throwing the football and getting short clocks and all that, Michigan will tire the shit out of your defense and you'll get blasted. Absolutely blasted. That's what will happen. That's what happened the last time. You look at the game against Ohio State last year. They had the fumble recovery touchdown for C.J. Stroud. And guess what? The offense kept going three and out. The offense kept going three and out. The offense couldn't do anything. Defense played well early. Once the offense kept going off the field quick, that gave the defense less time to rest, which allowed Ohio State to build momentum and absolutely torch the defense the rest of the game. That's what will happen if Iowa does not game plan correctly in this game. I'm not saying I'm the greatest play caller or anything, but it's a simple thing in this game. Control the clock. Give your defense time to rest because they are going to need it against a team as physical as Michigan. Michigan might be the best team in college football. They might be. Georgia barely beat Georgia Tech this weekend. They might be. Maybe Oregon's the best team in football. Who knows? All I know is Michigan's a very good team, and if they need to throw the ball, they will. J.J. McCarthy made some ridiculous throws against Ohio State this weekend. And I know he plays up for that game because he was an Ohio State fan growing up. But this is a game, Iowa... it's weird because, again, they're the best-equipped team to beat Michigan out of the entire Big Ten West. And Michigan, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. I'm not going to give a score prediction or anything. I don't think Iowa will win, but I I could see them, like, pulling off some insane freaking upset. It wouldn't surprise – I would be – I'm about as equal as Michigan boat races them as Iowa wins. <laughs> that's kind of my mindset at this point in time, which doesn't make any sense. But that's kind of what my mindset is right now, is that either Iowa gets blown out or Iowa wins. Either or. <laughs> but the Ohio State-Michigan game, like, it was a fun game. Kyle McCord threw two interceptions in this game, one game ceiling interception. Uh, Marvin Harrison, I thought, should have done better on the first interception when he got his route cut off. But either or. Michigan won the game. Michigan's the better team. We knew that going in. We said that after the Penn State game, and we're saying it now. Michigan's the better team. Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten. Michigan's going on to the College Football Playoff. I don't think even if they lose, ah, we'll see. We'll see. I think Iowa being, we'll see where Iowa comes in the College Football Playoff rankings. They're 17th. Oregon State lost. Who all lost this past weekend in the FCS, like College Football Playoff rankings? Let's see who's above Iowa that lost. So Ole Miss won. Oregon State won. Or Oregon State lost, sorry. Who else is ranked above Iowa? Like, just above Iowa. Arizona State. Arizona won. Notre Dame won. 
Kansas State was below Iowa. Uh, I guess it's just Oregon State. But we'll see where Iowa gets ranked. We'll see. Because that could change whether the fact Michigan, if they lose, are guaranteed to go anyways. That's the thing. I, uh, the problem is I don't know would. This is the problem with the coach will play up being four teams. Like it's would Michigan have dropped more than two spots if they lost to Iowa in a regular season game? Because now you got to think of it at the playoff. Like it's just a an iffy scenario. Because then you go like, well, Ohio State didn't play, but Ohio State they're going to be in the rankings because of just the Michigan dropping down. So it's what happens. So we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. But I think I think Michigan is. I think Carson Beck's playing ridiculously right now. He didn't have the greatest game last night against Georgia Tech, but no one from Georgia really did. But I think he's playing really, really good football right now. So he, I don't know. I would love to see a Georgia-Michigan final. That's kind of what my prediction is, but we'll see. Maybe they have to meet in the first round because if Iowa beats Michigan, then. Or a scenario I didn't even bring up, Alabama beats Georgia. Then what happens? 12-1 and Alabama? Coming off winning against Auburn, a game that I don't know how, what Auburn was doing on that, no idea. No idea what they were trying to do on that last drive, but let's say Alabama beats Georgia. Oregon beats Washington. We're going to have ourselves some chaos here. Let's say all the lower-ranked teams beat the higher-ranked teams. Alabama beats Georgia. Oregon beats Washington. Iowa beats Michigan. Like, we are in a very, and it's Oklahoma, it's Texas-Oklahoma State, right? The Big 12 championship game? Yeah, Texas-Oklahoma State. So let's say Oklahoma State beats Texas. Then we're having a bunch of problems here. Louisville beats Florida State. Florida State's ranked fifth. Louisville beats Florida State. We could go completely bonkers this weekend in college football, which, you know what, I'm here for. But Friday night, that's the start of the conference football. The conference championship games, we got New Mexico State taking on Liberty in the Conference USA Championship, and we got Oregon taking on Washington in the Pac-12 Championship game. The last Pac-12 game ever. Sad times. Sad times. Sad times for the Pac-12. But hey, two big we got two Big Ten championship games going on this weekend. But I want to talk about the Big 12 championship because it is the, the Big 12 is a mess. I That's the best way I could describe the Big 12. And Iowa State, they beat Kansas State this past Saturday. And one of the best games Matt Campbell's coached. Like, it was Abu Sama. Uh, crap. Why am I completely blanking? Abu Sama. I don't know why I was struggling with that so much. The third, his brother's junior. I looked that up on their roster last night, which was crazy. But Abu Sama, great game. Southeast Polk kid, 276 yards on the ground with three touchdowns in a snow game. 42 to 35 was the dub there in the one of the last Farmagens because remember the 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 rivalry is taking a break in 2027. I think it is. But Abu Sama, good game. Carson Beck or Carson Beck. I was thinking Carso Carson Beck from Georgia. Rocco Beck, three touchdowns in the game, 230 yards passing as well. Jalen Knoll, two touchdowns, 160 yards. And again, the snow game. Iowa State finishes 6-3 and three in conference play, 7-5 and five of the season. This is the farthest off we were from all the state of Iowa schools because we had Iowa 10-2, finished 10-2. Didn't think they'd lose to Minnesota, though. We thought they'd lose to Wisconsin. You and I, we had 7-4. and four. Should have been 7-4 because they should not have lost Missouri State going into that week. I know they got blown out, so it doesn't matter, but... They finished six and five, and then Iowa State. We had I think four and eight or five and seven. Finished seven and five. Like this season can only be seen as an absolute success from an Iowa State's perspective. Lose your starting quarterback. Lose your starting running back. Lose your starting tight end. Lose a lot of key people. 
going into the season, and you come back and you're better than what you were last year. You have a better quarterback now. Abu Sama is a freaking beast at running back. And now you're sitting at 7-5, and five, looking for, feeling pretty good about yourself. But as per usual, when Iowa wins the game 13-10 against Nebraska and Iowa State beats Kansas State 42-35, Iowa State fans are going to have people on Twitter talking about Iowa. You know, it's what happens. Iowa State road wins against eight win teams. One, Iowa zero. Boom, mic drop. Iowa zero wins against road. <laughs> I also saw Iowa State versus top four in Big 12, two and two. This is what I want to say about the Big 12 right now. The Big 12 was ass, okay? That's the long and short of it. Big 12 is that. One of the teams the Big 12 championship game lost by 30 points to South Alabama at home. That is one of the teams of the Big 12 championship right now. That is one of the teams Iowa State beat. So I don't want to sit here and sound and want people act like the Big 12 is like, man, this is such a competitive con-. No, it was all ass. That was the problem with it this year. It was all ass. Every single thing about it was ass. Everything about it. Iowa State lost to Ohio. So let's not sit here and act like, <laughs> like Iowa State versus top four in Big 12. Iowa State versus eight win road teams. One. What did Ohio finish with? I think Ohio, I swear Ohio finished with eight wins. They were finished or eight, nine and three or eight and four, right? So Iowa finished nine and three. So Iowa State versus on the road against eight win teams, uh, one and one. So they only have one more. <laughs> they have the same amount of losses as Iowa on the road. Iowa obviously lost to Penn State 31 to nothing. But hey, can't win them all, right? <laughs> I just thought it was funny. It's like you're, the team, one of the teams you're bragging about, one of the teams your conference title lost to freaking. South Alabama. South Alabama's finished six and six at home, like 33 to seven or something. And I don't know what it is about bashing Iowa for their lack of offense. Iowa State lost to Iowa. So I don't know what the like what is the logic of making fun of Iowa when you lost the team that you're swearing is this atrocious crimes against football committing team? Like you can't you have no leg to stand on here. You have no leg to stand on. You lost to that team. You lost to Ohio. Congratulations. You finished seven and five. That's a A plus season for Iowa State. Growing up, that was the best case scenario for Iowa State. Another seven and five in the year they were supposed to finish four and eight. That's hey, that's good stuff. I have nothing but respect for that. I have nothing but respect for Matt Campbell and all that stuff. Rocco Beck plays ass off. Abu Sama, really good player. He beat Kansas State in a snow game. Great win. But let's not sit here now like the Big 12 was so good this year. No, the Big 12 is ass. That's the, <laughs> so many bad teams. Like, like I, I don't know. West Virginia, 6-3. and three. West Virginia is not a good football team. I know they finished 8-4. Texas Tech finished 5-4. and four. One less win than Iowa State in conference play. Their last game, they lost 57-7. They lost to Wyoming as well. So we're looking at the grand scheme of the top teams of the Big 12. I know Texas Tech is 5-4, and four, but... Still, that puts them in the upper echelon of the Big 12 teams. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, all lost to bad teams. Like, in regards to no, bad teams. They've got solid records like Ohio's 9-3. Wyoming's 8-4, I believe. South Alabama's, you know, 6-6. Six six. Solid teams. But those are teams that Big 12 teams should not lose to. <laughs> There's no reason for these Big 12 teams to be losing to these teams. There's not. There's really no reason for that. So, I don't know. I, I 
I, I congratulate Iowa State for having their season that they did because it was way above expectation. But, man, it was not like it was this this amazing, amazing, rampant Big 12 season. No, it was just a lot of kind of okay teams and then Texas, which Texas wasn't even that great this year. When it's, well, That was mostly because when Quinn Ewers was out, but they weren't even that great for portions of the season. And it's fine. I don't want to – and I'm – hey – uh, Big Ten West sucks. I know that. You don't need to try and yell at me for. I know the Big Ten West. I'm aware of that. I admit that. You gotta admit some things too. <laughs> That's the, it's a two way street here. It's a two way street here. You lost the team that you say is ass. So you cannot come at me and try to use that as a way to diss me. That is not how that works. <laughs> That's not how that works at all. If you're calling me ass and you lost to me. What does that make you? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. Team in the Big 12 championship game lost to South Alabama 30. What was the? Oh, I got to look at the actual final score. What was the actual final? Oh, yeah, it was, it was 33-7. It was 33-7. <laughs> they lost to UCF 45-3. to Do you, want, you know what UCF's record is this year? So your, your team that is currently sitting in the Big 12 championship game lost to Oklahoma, to UCF who finished 6-6 six and six and is ninth in the Big 12, lost to them 45-3, to and lost to South Alabama 33-7. to And you're using that as a barometer to bash the Big 10 or Iowa or whatever. You lost to Ohio. Good for you. Good season. Again, I, I got to keep reiterating that. Good season. 7-5, and five, really good season. Rocco Beck played really well. Matt Campbell, given the expectations for the season, outcoached a lot. He probably should go home with the Big 12 Coach of the Year, given the expectations going into the season. Like, I remember seeing people talk about Iowa State winning one game this year and that one win coming against you and I. Like, there were not a lot of high expectations for Iowa State fans out there. Or the Iowa State team. So the fans, even, were not really optimistic going into the season. At least the Iowa State fans I've talked to. Brady was more optimistic than most of them. But going into the season, like, four wins was a, like, hey, hey, we'll take four wins. So to finish 7-5, and five, again, Matt Campbell deserves a lot, a big pat on the back for that. But you don't need to beat Kansas State and then instantly go on Twitter and say, hey, how many eight-win teams did Iowa beat on the road this year? We've lost the same amount of them, but we beat one more. That one just happened to be Ohio. But that's not important here. But again, this weekend in college football was really fun. I really did enjoy it. Washington versus Washington State was a fun game. Uh, Florida State and Florida without their starting quarterbacks. Uh, Florida State ended up winning the game. Alabama-Auburn was really fun. Kentucky beat Louisville. Which is an insane game. Louisville has two losses in the season there to Pitt and Kentucky. Who would have thought that would have happened? <laughs> Especially Pitt. Especially Pitt. AM lost to my LSU. They're hiring Mike Elko from Duke to be their new head coach. So we'll see how that one goes. Lost their last game of the season, finished seven and five on the year. Arizona piss pounded Arizona State 59 to 23. Notre Dame beat Stanford 56 to 23. Not surprising there. Oklahoma State, Big 12. One of, the ten, one of the teams representing the Big 12 in the conference title. B- BYU, a team that has won two games in the conference this year, 40-34 to this year. Uh, Tennessee beat Vanderbilt 48-24. to Shouldn't be surprising. Joe Milton had a very good game in that one, though. North Carolina State beat the piss out of North Carolina. Again, not insane. Maybe the, the score line, maybe it's a little bit more wide than I thought it would be, but Pitt, uh, NC State beat North Carolina, given how bad their defense is. Not really surprising. Drake May still had over 100 yards rushing. Clemson beat South Carolina 16-7. to and Liberty beat UTEP 42-28. to Who's the ACC championship game again? Is that Clemson versus... Oh, Louisville versus Florida State. Sorry, I forgot about Louisville. 
I know they lost to Kentucky, but that's a non-conference game. I keep forgetting, but I guess Clemson won a game in non-conference against South Carolina <laughs> SEC. And since uh, we brought up you and I a little bit ago, but since you and I didn't make the playoffs, let's talk about the the FCS playoffs. Let's talk about the Iowa team that did. <laughs> let's talk about the Iowa team that did make the playoffs, and that was Drake. Uh, to the surprise of nobody, Drake got absolutely stomped by North Dakota State, uh, 63-3. to And remember what we said when we were talking about this game, previewing it last Wednesday, about, like, man, could Drake get 200-piece by these three Missouri Valley Football Conference teams? So close. So close. Combined scores between North Dakota, North Dakota State, and South Dakota State games was 199. They were so close to allowing 200 points in three games this season. That is insane. But they made the playoffs, and hey, first time in playoff history, that's cool. First time, or first time playoff, first time in the school's history they have made the playoffs. That's awesome. Uh, that's that's really awesome. But, hey, you ran into a buzz on North Coast. I know they're not as good as what they normally are, but hey, it's still North Coast State in the Fargo Dome. Now they are North Coast State. The Bison are playing a very tough matchup against Montana State in Bobcat Stadium. I've been by that stadium a few times. Very nice place. I wish I could go to that game, but no one, Johnny, will be going to that game there. Should be a really fun game. Really, really fun game. We got South Dakota State overwhelming favorites to win the FCS title, which is not surprising to anybody. They're playing Mercer. We have South Dakota taking on Sacramento State, Illinois taking on Youngstown State, and Southern Illinois taking on Idaho in the Kibbe Dome in this round of the FCS playoffs. FCS playoffs are fun. If you have never watched it, I very much recommend it. It's very fun to watch. Very fun to watch. Especially that South uh, that uh, North Coast State-Montana State game. That is on ESPN+. Plus. If you want to watch that game before you watch some of the, or in between some of the conference games you got in the FBS level this year, like Iowa, if you're an Iowa fan and you want to watch some other conference champion, what other, what other conference championship games that time? So we got two o'clock, two plays, two o'clock. Uh, okay. You got it. You can get an hour of the Montana state, North coast state game before you get to watch Georgia versus Alabama. So you, that game doesn't start till three and given TV times, that probably won't start till about three fifteen. 310, 315, somewhere around there. So you got some time. You got some time to watch that. But, man, fun stuff. Absolutely fun stuff that we've talked about today. Hour 30. Jeez, we've had a long, it's been a longer episode today, hasn't it? But uh, before we sign off today, I'm going to do some Logan Blackman Show trivia cards. My mom found these upstairs in, <laughs> I think it's what we call her office. So she found these. She was cleaning it out today, found these. And she said, Logan, you could do a whole show with these on. You could do a whole show with doing these trivia questions. It could be so fun. It could be so fun for you, Logan. So I got gold, silver, and bronze questions. We will give you one question each, and you will have fun trying to answer it. And we will reel the answers on the next episode of Logan Blackman Show. And then we might do more questions. It might be a Monday thing. It might be an everyday thing. Who the hell knows? But we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's go over the first question. This is a bronze question. We'll work our way up. Actually, let's choose a random one. Uh, That one. This one looks good. I was just going to choose the top one, but let's choose a different one. Uh, these, these ones are... I hate these. Okay. How many inches is the diameter of a hockey puck? That's your first question. How many inches is the diameter of a hockey puck? Do not Google it. Do not Google it. Just do it by yourself. Silver question. I'll read these out at the end, too. In 2016, the Philadelphia 76ers set a league record by doing what 
28 games in a row. In 2016, Philadelphia 76ers set a lead record by doing what? 28 games in a row. And your gold question in baseball, what is term is used for when a player strikes out four times in a single game? In baseball, what is the term for when a player strikes out four times in a single game? There is your three trivia questions. Bronze, silver, gold. How many inches is the diameter of a hockey puck? In 2016, the Philadelphia 76ers set the league record by doing what? 28 games in a row. In baseball, what is the term for when a player strikes out four times in a game? We will tell you the answers next time on the Logan Blackman Show. If you enjoyed the show, I greatly appreciate it. We'll try to do the same thing next time. If you did not, we'll try to fix some things up, try to get back to the drawing board, get better, and uh, we'll learn from it. <laughs> I thought the show was just the right thing for the right time. Who, did Justin Tucker just miss a field goal? Is that what I just watched here? Justin Tucker just missed a field goal. Justin Tucker just missed a field goal. What a way to end off the show, though. But, uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed. If you didn't, I'm still, I sincerely apologize. Try to be there next time. And, yeah, we'll be back to you shortly. I'm Logan Blackman. You listen to the Logan Blackman Show. Make sure to follow all the different forms of social media we mentioned before. And check out the LoganBlackmanShow.com for our Week 12 quarterback prospect rankings. We'd greatly appreciate that. We'll have Week 13 coming up for you this sometime this week. Peace.